Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is another episode of the Romans Empire podcast. And might I say, Andres, another psalmless Romans Empire pod. Now, I, I, I guess this is one of the downsides of having a, a future lawyer or a law school student, if you will, uh, as one of the members of the podcast, because come December, they live under a rock for about 30 days before they come out and see <laughs> some sunshine. So it's just going to be me and Andres tonight. So, um, buddy, I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit? How do you feel after this week? A, a mixture of emotions, I'm guessing. Yeah, uneasy. I don't know. Uh, I guess because we're on to the round of 16, it's it's a little bit easier to, to swallow what happened last weekend. But, yeah, just kind of hoping that going into this weekend we can – kind of keep the good times coming and not just continue this up and down roller coaster that's been the last two weeks of Chelsea football. Yeah, it seemed uh it, we've definitely been through the roller coaster of emotions lately. I mean, I mean, I was on my I, so, you know, I'm on my way to my practice today with my with my with my club team, my youth team and I'm thinking to myself, damn. We lost 3 of our last 4 Premier League games. And we didn't even lose three games all season up to that point. And it just seemed like it happened so fast. It's like, wait, I could have sworn like three weeks ago I was feeling really good about this. And now like, eh, not so much. I'm not going to say I feel negative because I don't. Our ex our expectations are still being heavily exceeded. But it was kind of a wake-up call for me to realize – the the position that we've kind of gotten ourselves in. I think it hit me when I realized that Man United was only two points behind us. I mean, yeah, the the table has been so odd because apart from Liverpool and I guess technically now Leicester, nobody has found a consistent run of form. So if you tie back-to-back -to -back wins together, you most likely jump five spots in the table if you're not in the top four. So yeah, Tottenham... And Arsenal have, or I mean, not Arsenal, Manchester United, Arsenal is still garbage. So Man U and Tottenham have both found a recent run of form and they're back in the kind of pretenders of the top four mix. And yeah, we need to get our stuff together before they get any closer. I mean, Spurs only five points away from us. And just to kind of like piggyback on your point there, last week going in, Everton was in 18th. They picked up three points and immediately jumped the 14th. One point behind 13th. Two points behind twelfth, <laughs> so just to kind of ridiculous. Show you how tight it is. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it, it, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, holy shit! I'm looking at the table right now. You got Sheffield, Arsenal, Palace, and Newcastle all on twenty two points. And a week ago, Sheffield was in fifth place. By the way, yeah, yeah, and 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 that's another thing. Like it's just it's totally crazy. And uh, and but you know what? That's Premier League football and. I actually have no shame in saying this. And before we get into the Everton match, I, I just want to make this very well known to everybody. The feeling I have about this season is a very similar feeling to the one I had in 15-16. And I mean the feeling where I became a Leicester fan. Oh, I, mean, I was about to say, what are you talking about? We is... were in a totally different position in 15-16. <laughs> well, well, yeah. In terms of Chelsea, no, I feel way better about Chelsea. No question. But... Fuck Liverpool, man. I I just hate the uh, – Saul was even texting us when they were playing Salzburg, and he was like, oh, my God. Like, Liverpool could actually really fuck up here. And then next thing you know, bang, they just scored two goals and put ice on the game, basically. Yeah. And then you look at the table. 
yeah, for once, Holland didn't do anything. Future, Man United, number nine. Um, but, you know, like, like I'm, you just look at Liverpool. They played 16 games and haven't lost yet. And you're like, who's the closest team that could possibly knock them off? And it's Leicester, of all teams. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, I hope... It would be poetic justice... If Brendan Rodgers, who was fired after getting the closest in recent history apart from Klopp to lifting the trophy, for him to win the Premier League with Leicester and denying his former club the most coveted trophy that they've been lacking in their cabinet. That would I just, mean, oh, that would be the, the best. Here's an interesting one. Would this, if Leicester win the league this season, would it be more impressive than them winning the league in 15-16? Yes. Knowing the information that we know about them now, like like knowing that they're that they've hit this crazy run of form and they're this flashy brilliant football team. I I think so. I think so because 15-16 I'm trying to even remember. It was the end of Pellegrini, correct? At Man City. Uh yeah. Yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool was nowhere where they need they where they had to be. Chelsea self-destructed. I believe at this point it was Van Gaal at Man United. So, uh, yeah, that at that point, nobody was at their best. And then it, this time around, Leicester's not – they're probably not going to be at top of the table in Christmas like they were last time. But yeah. they're not slowing down. Much like Liverpool, they're getting the ugly wins. They're getting the, the pretty wins. They're, I mean, they have a higher goal differential than Liverpool right now. So. Yeah, and and that's that's the crazy thing for me. So, be, people have seemed to forget that Brendan Rodgers is actually a good manager. Like I think I I think we could openly say that now without receiving a fair amount of backlash. What he's been able to do with that team has been phenomenal. Um, but of course, a former Chelsea man, youth manager yeah. is a good manager. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> no sarcasm at all. I mean, just look at what our youth team is, is able to do now. But speaking of our youth team. A lot of youth players out there last weekend against Everton. Um, segway, wow. Yeah, uh, quite the segue, might I add. Um, but not <laughs> the greatest performance uh, nope. that we've seen from the team this season. So I guess before we kind of dive into it, I'll give the starting lineup really quick. We had Kepa in goal, uh, who assisted Everton's third goal. Um, Dave at left back, or yeah, Dave at left back. Zuma, Christensen as our center backs. Yes, we'll talk about them. Um, Reese James on the right. Kovacic, Conte at the double pivot, interestingly enough. 4-2-3-1 making a return. Mason Mount at the 10. Willian and Pulisic flanking either side of him. And Tammy Abraham up top. So, uh, first things first, Andres. Let's talk about these positives. Because I think the only way that we could get through the negatives is if we talk about the positives first. Uh, I, I agree. And I'll gladly start because the biggest positive in this game was my boy, Mateo, hashtag Kova Crew Kovacic. This guy was the only player who gave me a satisfactory 90 minutes or even – no, he was subbed out. But he was the only one that gave me a satisfactory performance in this match. The only guy that looked like he gave a crap. The only guy that was actually trying to make stuff happen the only person that was actually doing the easy things because nobody could do that either. And on top of that, he got another goal, making my prediction that he can get to five goals even better. And what a goal it was. One time, 
out of the air, volleyed it, goal. Frank Lampard would have loved to see that typical goal of his. Oh, my God. Kovacic was honestly the only thing that I was content about in this game because I can probably nitpick every other player's performance in this. But Mateo Kovacic, honestly, so, you know, last season we were saying that our best player is probably N'Golo Conte, but our most important player is probably Hazard. Yeah. So vice, I think this vice versa though. Vice versa. Sorry. Our yeah. best player. Yeah, our best players has the most important is, is Conte. I think this season our best player is Kovacic and our most important player is Tammy. Yeah. And, and Kovacic has been performing incredibly. I think I saw somewhere, or I think I might have heard it in London is blue that he has the most take-ons as well as the highest take-on percentage out of any player in Champions League. And I'm pretty sure. He's only second to Wilfred Zaha in dribbling in the Premier League. And he might have an actual higher success rate than Zaha does. His numbers, I know he doesn't score as much as, you know, someone like, I don't know, your typical number 10s or, or maybe even someone like De Bruyne. But you have to watch him to see everything he does correctly. The defending, the tracking back. The the one twos in midfield to break a three man press, all of that adds up. And I wish he was a vocal guy because that kind of performance, like he was trying to lead by example, and unfortunately that wasn't enough to kind of get this team going. But he stood out, and it was clear that he was our best player in this match. So so you know the crazy thing, Andres, is yeah he was our best player on the day, but was this even his? close to his best performance of the season? I don't necessarily think so. And I think that just kind of goes to highlight how bad we were as a team on a day. So to kind of segue into my positive, I think how poor we were, not only in this game, but I would say across the last four games, in certain moments of the Villa match as well, let's not forget, some of the defending was awful. But I think it highlights a bigger point, and this is the positive that the club and Frank are seeing it a lot more clearly now, the direction we need to go in in terms of this January. Now that the now that the ban is overturned, we could go out and we could buy players. I think the club is, has, has, could really see now the flaws in our squad. We do not we, – we still are lacking a leader in the back. And, uh, yes. and, and I was hoping that, you know – Maybe Christensen could find some kind of form this year, um, you know, hoping that uh, – well, well, we kind of already knew what we were going to get from Dave. But besides that, what other hope do you have in the back line in terms of leadership besides Rudiger? Rudiger. I mean, Reese is too young to to make his voice felt. Tamori is also too young. I think both of those guys feel they're not ready or they don't have the – the tenureship maybe to make those sort of voices heard because both those guys were youth captains. But apart from Rudiger, there is no leadership back there. Even Keppa only yells after he's scored on. So yeah. there is no leadership in the, in the back of the, of the pitch for us. Well, I guess my, my whole point being, if this match wasn't proof that we need more squad depth, I don't know what is. Because you touched on the point before we even started recording. Not a lot of rotation. Um, and, and that's this was the exact lineup, the exact lineup from midweek. It 
Oh, man. Well, negatives are coming. But, yeah, exact same lineup with days of rest. That is That should not be happening in a congested December. And I know that it's not that we have many options, but still, that like you said, this has deeper issues than what's available now in injuries because you should be prepared fully knowing what December looks like in the Premier League. Choose your words wisely, man. You said congested, and then I just tried to, like, sniff a little bit, and I've been congested all week. So apologies <laughs> in advance if my voice sounds a little funky today. But um, since since you brought up that word congested, I mean, oftentimes that seemed to be the feeling that we had when Everton was basically all over us, like it, it, especially, especially in their attacking third. When we would try to play out of the back, I mean – some of the pressure they were putting on us, it looked like we almost couldn't handle it at times. So, Andres, why don't you get into your uh, into your negatives so we can uh, we can talk a little bit about that. So, Everton deploys a four four two where the two forwards are pressing our two center backs, their two outside mids are pressing our outside backs, and then their two central midfielders are pressing our double pivot, meaning they have six guys pressing our back six, and. You know, two weeks ago, Crystal Palace, we talked about Conte and Kovacic just absolutely dominating the double pivot. Well, I gave Kovacic the positive as an individual, but the partnership for me was a negative this time around. I saw huge gaps in midfield. There was nobody checking in centrally. There is somebody posted online somewhere a series of pictures where Kovacic and Conte are closer to the sidelines than they are to each other or the middle of the pitch. And whenever you're getting pressed that much, you can't be that static and you can't be that separated because with high pressure, you need to have these one, two touch combinations to work your way out of the back. We were making their job way too easy to press us. And it comes down to those two guys in midfield. I had been calling for the four, three, three in the last couple podcasts, talking about Jorginho's importance and something that we sometimes forget that he brings to the table. And this was it. I think that he was heavily missed and maybe Kovacic and Conte need to kind of take a page out of his book and see how he moves off the ball, even if he doesn't get the ball, to open up the passing lanes for others because Everton didn't reinvent the wheel. We just made their jobs extremely easy and they have very athletic guys in their front two as well as their outside midfield. So we played right into their hands and I think that that double pivot was a big part of it. Okay, I mean, you know how I feel about the four-two-three-one, right? I mean, it's a proven system, at least at Chelsea Football Club. Um, so for me, Andres, the issue really isn't necessarily the system. I think the issue is more within the spacing itself. Now, you, you, you talked about that gap between them. There was nobody to fill in that space in the middle to almost play that pivot rule. And, and that's exactly what happened against Everton. For some reason, when the ball would get switched to one side or the other, you didn't get the sense that Conte and Kovacic were shifting uh, in unison together and, and, and closing down that space and not constantly opening and closing the gap between them as opposed to just keeping it sealed and keeping it nice and tight. And I think that was a problem here. I think, look, if the ball gets shifted out to the left-hand side, for example, and we have Kovacic getting pulled out wide into a wide position to create a passing option, then Conte has to drop in and fill in in the middle. He has to be that Definitely. safety valve. 
and that's something we were missing and vice versa. I notice a lot of times Conte would be the one counter-pressing when we lose possession and Kovacic would be maybe 15 or 20 yards away from him. And that's too much space in the Premier League. And they're able to play through us in that sense. And, uh, and, and actually, I think that's what happened with... Uh, I think that's what what happened with Richarlison's goal. I think we gambled in the midfield, and um, and they were able to play right through us. They got the ball out wide, quick cross into the box, and boom, it's one nothing. Really good goal, by the way. Um, but still, it's that's that's an issue I have. I don't think it's a system thing. I think it's more of a personnel type thing. It, and again, I I don't think I'm not saying it's a system. I'm saying that that wasn't working. And the other thing is. This is where the the lack of maybe game time or just slight soccer IQ because he's young's not there. Because all I could think about was in a four two three one, when teams would do that, and I'm thinking of a four two three ones of the past for Chelsea, where even let's go to the season where we won the league with Mourinho, the second stint. We had uh Cesc, Matic, and Oscar at the ten. If those two midfielders couldn't make it, Oscar would drop back and create an option. And I think that's something that maybe Mount needs to work on because more often than not right now, Mount is being considered more of a shadow striker than a conventional number 10. I'm going to play I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Wasn't okay. that also the reason why Chelsea fans were so frustrated with Oscar? Because because for me personally, whenever I was watching him play, I saw this player with so much attacking ability, but someone who never found himself in attacking positions. For that reason, he was almost he was almost a victim of his own work rate, where he would he would literally work so hard defensively and drop so deep to to, to retrieve the ball at times that he would pick his head up and the only options in front of him were the wingers and and and, and Diego Co or and, and Drogba. Yeah, right? no, Oscar or, did this to a fault. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying that Mount needs to realize when the game needs him to do this. Yeah, yeah. If if we just can't break that midfield line, let me tell you something, Mason. You're not going to get the ball. So sometimes you need to check in. Like, you're a coach for little kids. I coach little kids. They want to go just forward. They just want to yeah. go forward. Your forwards run away from the ball, and you have to teach them. You have to teach it, and you have to do this. And even in high school, you remember your coach telling you, quit running away from the ball. This is one of those cases where Mason Mount needed to run to the ball because yeah. Kovacic and Conte were drowning, and it's partially their fault. But there's 11 players on the field, and, and somebody that could have alleviated that sort of pressure, constant pressure because it never went away, could have been Mason Mount. Not saying that it's on him, but a smarter, more maybe more experienced player might have seen the opportunity to help out and, and kind of build from behind. But yeah, the, the double pivot wasn't working. I think it was just not that the four two three one system is broken. I just think it was not the right system for what Everton was doing, and an adjustment could have been made. So um, I, I I mean we could talk about this for ages, um, but I, I want to move on to my negative before we start talking about the Lille match. Yeah, Zuma and Christensen. Now I'm, I'm I, I I take pride in being the pods, uh, you know. Uh, center back guru, self-proclaimed, super douchey, <laughs> self-proclaimed title guru. Um, but, I mean, this was fucking awful, wasn't it? S almost yep. one word one word sprang to mind, and, and it was elementary. It's elementary defending. 
the first goal, even Frank admitted, the first goal was very well taken. Good finish, good cross. They caught us off guard. A lot of great teams concede goals early in matches like that, but they have 89 minutes to bounce back, which we did against a team that isn't very good on the year. 18th um, place at the time. 18th place at the time. Now, the second goal, the misplaced pass. Was that the second or the third? I can't even remember. The third was the misplaced pass. The second the was the ball that uh, they try to clear. That, that's the up. one I'm talking they about. They try to control it. Then it goes off of Zuma's leg, and it just free one-on-one and kept us just left in no man's land thinking, what did I yep. do to deserve this? Yep. And the frustrating thing for me was the lack of effort on that, right? So Zuma goes in, puts in a lazy foot, Gets nowhere near to close to controlling the ball in typical old Kurt Zuma fashion. The ball goes flinging up 40 yards into the air off of his shin, falls right back down to Christensen, who and, and, and I think this is perfect. Dan Silver said this on Twitter, something along the lines of this, and I think it's fucking spot on. So well done to Dan, but it was uh, an experienced, accomplished center back in Europe does not lose that header. It's it's just it's that simple. You do not lose that header if you are a top center back in European football. And the same could be said for Kurt Zuma. And I know it pains me because I've been a Zuma fan this whole season. But wait, which header? For the second Kurt, goal? For the second goal. That was Christensen's header then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. sorry. I yeah, misunderstood yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Christensen cannot miss that header. That's one. But like I'm not I'm not letting Zuma off because that that touch I don't even know what the fuck he was trying to do, but but going back to Dan's whole point, and I think it highlights an overarching theme here. We are really lacking an an experienced top center back, and the fact that we got Rudiger back for the Leo match is huge. So why don't we get into the whole Leo Leo thing? Wait, no. Let me let me give my my quick take on the Zuma Christensen thing. So I, I've kind of come to this – you're right. For one, you're right. We need a world-class center back. That is a need. With our current batch of, of center backs, I think it, it there is a divide now. It goes – just because Rudiger's been out, I'm going to put him in this category. But it goes Rudiger, Zuma, Tamori, Tier 1, Gap, Christensen, Tier 2. And, wow. And I think it's gone – and again, part of it is where we're at. We're in the Premier League. It is a physical league. It is a league that's going to push you, beat you, elbow you, knock you down. And Christensen, we've talked about the lack of physicality. It's just not going to come. At this point, it is not his style. It doesn't look like he can put on weight because this summer, let me tell you something, Callum hudson Adoy put on some weight and it was clear that he put on some muscle. Christensen yeah. looks the exact same. I think it's not a knock to what Christensen can bring to the table. I think it's that Christensen is now obviously not a fit to what this league demands. I think that Christensen will be a fantastic center back in places like Spain and Germany. But unfortunately, it's showing that he will be bullied in this league. He can be got at. (laughs) Messi broke him on the Conte season where he looked as composed as possible 
And it also was a factory, by the way. So maybe that's yeah. also a solution. But since it's the physicality, we know he's great at dribbling out the back. We know he can find a pass. But guess what? The moment somebody gets shoulder to shoulder with him, we most likely won't be winning that tackle. Yeah. And I and, and, and I think that's ahead. something – sorry. But I, I think that's something that – only furthers the point that him and Zuma cannot work together whatsoever because Christensen is not the most physical ever and Zuma is, but Zuma also needs a center back with him that's very assured of himself or at least that has the ability to recover. And I don't see that with Christensen since, I mean, you mentioned it, Conte and Messi broke him that year. And we haven't seen the best of him since. And I said it a couple podcasts ago, something's up here. I think it's getting to the point now. I think where I think we could all finally say it is it it's sour, it's sour with him at Chelsea. It, it's just not working. And you look at a player like him with that kind of ability and that kind of ceiling because he is still young. He still could become great, as you said. But I think you take a look at that whole situation as a whole and you think to yourself, maybe now is the time where he needs that move. He needs a fresh start. Or else he can become the next fucking, I don't know, you name it, John Stones. You know, like to, <laughs> almost to the point where, you know, he he has the whole world in front of him and people are expecting so much out of him. But mentally, he's just not good enough. For me, it's, it's not necessarily the physicality for me, Andres. It's more the mental side. He just doesn't look like a player that's assured of himself. And I think when you put a player like that in a back line – with a very a next to another very risky center back in Kurt Zuma, an inexperienced right back in Reese James, and a, and and the only experience you really have back there is Dave because Kep I wouldn't even consider Kepa very experienced as a whole. That's just kind of a recipe for disaster. What do you expect at this point? I saw his name on the team sheet going into this match, and I thought to myself, Richarlison always destroys us. Like since he was at Watford, the fr the one year he was at Watford, I remember watching him at the Bridge absolutely torch us he probably should have had three or four goals in that game who yeah. was playing in that game uh, andreas christensen and that was the first thing that popped into my head was oh my god <laughs> he's gonna run rampant against us and what does he do a minute and 50 seconds in he scores a goal i just think we're at the point now where we have to make a decision going into january going into next summer and start planning our future if one of zuma or christensen is out because i think it's between them two that decision has to be made soon because we got to make it very clear to all the tentative center back options that are out there. Hey, we have a nice shiny opening at Chelsea football club for a top class center back. Let's see who's interested. <laughs> yeah. That's like my little conspiracy theory slash frustration. I, I still love Andreas Christensen and, 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 and I know he's still rated, but at that, at this point, it's just become a more a more of a situation of when and not if and again this guy has been linked before to barcelona the the big german sides yeah. i still think he has the potential to play for one of those sides 100% because 100%. again he's got the tools for it i just don't think he fits what you need in a premier league team anymore and that's very unfortunate because i would have loved to see him succeed here and i think his times coming to an end unless he turns something around sooner than later because you're right we're going to 
it's no it's no secret that we're going to be in the market for a center back right now. It, simple as that. Whether yeah. he's still in the roster or not. Because if we buy somebody, guess what? You're probably going to be the one that makes way and you're going to be shipped off somewhere else. Yeah. So we don't have to sell him first. <laughs> We've been making bad business decisions where we sell first and buy second. So hopefully we do it this, the other way around. Maybe he gets a little upset, but just like David Luiz, you can sell him in the summer and boom, it's it's done. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Again, hopefully he can change something, but he's had every opportunity and every chance to. He was playing in the 18th place team for crying out loud. It's yeah, I, I'm I'm losing that hope, not faith, but the hope that the change may come. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, let's I do we do need to talk about the Lille match. I know we're kind of already taking up a lot of time here. So, uh, Chelsea two, Lille one. Uh, match occurred yesterday. We're doing this pot on a Wednesday. Uh, match happened on a Tuesday. So, the return of Andres is favored four three three. Uh, we had Keppel in goal. Aspi restored to the right, Emerson on the left. Zuma, Antonio Rudiger. Thank the Lord and all things good for having Rudiger back. Uh, he's <laughs> tremendous in this game, by the way. Um, Ingolo Kante, Jorginho, and Kovacic as our midfield three. Willian, Pulisic, and Tammy up top yet again. So um, I think we could all agree on the first 20 minutes of the match here, can't we? I mean, <laughs> just dive right into this first positive for me, Andres. Oh, my God. I mean, it was – we came – we knew we had to win this game, right? It, it was a must win. We did win. But everybody knew that we had to come in and get a goal, get a, a victory, and it looked that way because the very first 20 minutes, it was just shot, chance, shot, cross. It was just – we're pounding at the door. And I know we're playing Lil's B-side. It, it, it was definitely not their starting set. But N'Golo Conte was just everywhere around this box. There was a point where he won the ball right outside the 18, dribbled past the player, and put in a beauty of a cross that, unfortunately, our players couldn't finish. Then in a different play, he takes a, a pass from Emerson. I think he tries to pull for a shot. The ball ricochets. The first person around the ball again, Conte, first touch, volleys it, almost scores again. In this in this patch of 20 minutes, we also had William just doing absolutely everything down the right side, whether it was tracking back, winning the ball, dribbling. Gets himself in this the, – the movement he had for the goal was his typical move to the right, but he did this little thing he where – He took the extra touch. Yeah, he, he yeah. knew the ball was about to get poked away, so he toe-pokes it just a little bit further just to play it across, and Tammy was like, oh, thanks, because – William literally saved that play from just being a corner kick. And yeah, the, the first 20 minutes were just electric. I, It stinks that we still need to work on our finishing because we could have put this game to bed extremely early. Conte and William leading the way for sure. Yeah, I mean, shout out to all the Conte haters out there. <laughs> I think that first 20 minutes made you put a sock in it. Uh, for me, that was very clear. Closing down, I mean, we, we absolutely suffocated them, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, it, and, and, and it's no surprise that it's William and Conte that are doing it. Guys with experience, guys that have won things. Um, and and speaking of experience, you can definitely tell across the starting 11 that that's what Lampard went with here. Yeah. Ask Rudiger, who hasn't played straight into the, the championship. The confidence. Yeah. Ask me on the right instead yep. of Reese. 
Going back Anderson. to Conte, Jorginho, yeah. Kovacic. Kovacic, who's won the Champions League. Jorginho, who played plenty of games with Napoli. Conte's played with us. Willian. Even Pulisic, crazy to think about, has Champions League appearance. <laughs> he has a we, lot of Champions League yeah, experience. We, we definitely didn't let the, the beauty of the youth movement get the better of us in this time. It was business. People that know what the, the weight of the moment was. And those first 20 minutes were, were it, man. That first goal was a thing of beauty. The buildup of it from beginning to end was just fantastic. It was like six perfect passes. Kovacic long ball. Conte puts it down. Pulisic receives it. Tammy wants it, but he finds William. William to Tammy poked in. I mean, it was just beautiful. The, those first 20 minutes, I wish we could have done that for 90. Can't wait to see a performance that lasts that long. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, just kind of moving on. We got a set piece goal. Wait. What did you say? I said we scored a set piece goal. Wow. We kicked a corner and it beat the first man. Well, because it wasn't off really the head taken. of one of our really players. Taken. Yeah, right? <laughs> it was Emerson, wasn't it? Yeah, Emerson takes the corner. Which is interesting. It's interesting. And I don't mind him taking set pieces when he's in the team. Hey, I don't mind anybody else taking quarters with your with your uh, with your conspiracy theory of Williams set piece clause in his contract, hey, huh? Let me tell you, <laughs> I just want anybody but William taking them. William, take the direct free kicks. Everything else, please, please just pass the baton. That's pretty much all he's good for is those direct free kicks. In terms of set pieces. In terms of set pieces, of course, yeah. Wow, but look the, at you defending Willian. Hey, this season, look, I'm I'm turning the corner on Willian, man. Hey, I'm yeah, yeah. Right, you're turning the corner, and he's turning 31, so yeah. <laughs> don't fall in love with him. He won't be No, 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 that's not happening. But the fact also in that set-piece goal that it wasn't Zuma, it wasn't Rudiger, it wasn't Tammy, it was Dave, of all people, that squeezes between two people and gets higher than uh, their front post defender and their center back to win that header. It's just a uh. towering header. It was, it was, it was a thumping header. Like, that was awesome. If it, as, as a, as a soccer player, Andres, right? Like just as someone that loved playing the game, isn't that like one of the goals that you would love to score if you ever became pro? That'd be oh. pretty close to the top of my list. Hell yeah. The first goal in a must win champions league game. And you do it in that way where you're just like, you literally just throw your body in there, get in like you knew the moment he hit that, then you knew he scored because you're running in your front post. The keeper is definitely not going to react. You get all of all of it because he didn't kind of flick it. He didn't, you know, blindly. He knew what he was doing. Front post. Yeah. Blast. And Rudiger with a really nice block for him, too. I can't yeah. remember oh, if it was Rudiger yes. or Zuma. No, it was Rudiger. Off the yeah. ball, Rudiger had this great pick that allowed Aspie to go from back post directly to the front. It was it was a great set piece. Yeah, yeah, it was. So uh, Dave, captain, leader, Champions League fiend. <laughs> the man just knows how to score goals in the Champions League, and you can't deny that. Um, Fair enough. Last positive. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of tee this one off because this one made me really happy. I could finally bust out the Antonio Rudiger kid again. He's back. And uh, and what a relief it is to see him. Um, him and Zuma, tremendous for most of the game, right? They're, I think it was evident 
that the lineup Frank put out was not going to be beat physically. It was a very strong, physically imposing lineup, uh, especially across that back line. I mean, we we had our two hardest tackling center backs in there, just really not messing around. And I kind of called it earlier in the week. I I, I thought Frank was going to go for Zuma because I honestly thought they were going to play Elsieman, who's been tremendous in the air this year. And I thought maybe having Zuma and Rudiger in there would help prevent, you know, the aerial balls coming into the box. But Leo decided to start former Chelsea legend and scorer of one Champions League goal before he completely tore his hammy off the bone, Loic Remy, which I yeah. think was interesting. He scored in the same goal, too, that he tore his hammy right off the bone. But um, I want to touch on this a little bit because now that we have Rudiger back in the lineup, it has to be Rudy and Tomori from here on out, right? I mean, I know Zuma played next to him in in, in this match. And maybe Zuma will be better off for it because yeah. I said he was missing that experienced sort of solid leader in the back line because he had that with JT and he was brilliant. And right. uh, and 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 now he could possibly have something similar with Rudiger, maybe not to the same extent. But is that something that we're going to look forward to? Or did you I, like what you saw from this combo? No, I, I definitely did it. And the crazy thing was is, you know, we, whenever Rudiger was playing under Sari and even in the three-man, we always talked about his passing and, and you know, that it's an underrated skill of his. But in this match, Zuma was more of the distributor. Zuma yeah. had, like, 90% pass completion or, or higher than 90. He had more passes for sure than than uh, Rudiger did. He had 10 – I'm pulling this up now. He's got He had 10 accurate long balls. 10. So people that are like, oh, Zuma has no technique, that's a myth. It doesn't look pretty, but he's got the technique. It definitely doesn't look pretty, but it works. Hey, yeah, hey, it's kind of – imagine if – imagine if – what's this guy's name? If uh, – was it Charles Barkley? If his golf swing actually worked, that's what Zuma <laughs> is on the pitch. More like a Sean Marion jump shot. There you like, go. what the there fuck is go. that? Oh, it exactly. went in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And – you know, maybe you're right. Maybe this is one of those things where Zuma just needs a calming presence next to him to be able to to just kind of let loose a little bit and not overthink it. But I'm you, you mentioned Tomori again. And I would love to see Tomori play again. I don't know why he's not playing. I don't. I. It's an interesting I, one. I haven't heard him in the injury report. I know that young players need to be handled, you know, correctly in terms of his time and time on the pitch and whatnot because we don't want. What happened to Christensen under Conte to happen to, you know, our next best talent out of the academy. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure. The, the Rudiger-Zuma partnership did look better than the Zuma-Christensen one, though. It was it was clear as day. I, I You know, bringing up that whole Tomori thing, I think it's interesting. We lost three of our last four league matches. Maybe that's why Tomori's not back in the squad. Maybe Frank's looking at it and being like, if I throw Tomori back in and it works— I will be a genius. If I throw Tomori back in and we continue to struggle, it could possibly break him because of his age and because of his inexperience. Yeah. So I, I, I think I think there's definitely an aspect of that. He, I mean, he did Maybe, play in the loss to West Ham. True, true, but 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 that was also you know the one that kind of made things spiral out of control because you know losing the city when we lost the city wasn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. Considering that we, we we did put up a decent performance against them, and he and he played fine. I, I yeah yeah he had the so, nut, he got he was nutmegged to get scored on like that that happens. 
Yeah, well, I mean, okay, look, you're a center back. You're going to get nutmegged, right? Yeah, you put your body on the line. Like, you tried to stop it. You miss. You can't predict where a shot goes. One, so, I think, yeah. you're, I think you might be right here. The last two starts, or one of his last two starts was the City game, which was a tough one. And, again, <laughs> the nutmeg happened. He can he might be blaming himself. Then the West Ham game happened. We lost again. So maybe it is just protecting his psyche, not his physical. That's what I think or, it is. Or fatigue. So hopefully now that we have Rudiger back and you know Rudiger still needs more minutes, it'll be a Rudiger Tomori matchup for this weekend uh, when we play. I think it's Bournemouth. Yeah. Well, I, I could definitely see that happening, especially with how athletic Bournemouth's. Uh... Or this uh, forward players are right. Yeah. You know, you got Ryan Fraser who has a ton of pace. So if you isolate him and Tamori, Tamori will at least have the pace to keep up with him. Guys like Callum Wilson who don't necessarily only play up the middle, but tend to drift out wide. Josh King, the same thing. I I, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. Um, I love the fact that Bournemouth has lost five on the spin now. That's always really nice. Um, don't don't say those things out loud, Zach. We don't want to <laughs> curse us because let me tell you. Everton, I said this about I, I said this about Everton. No, not just that. <laughs> I forgot to mention this. We were talking Everton. The moment David uh, Marco Silva got fired, I put in our group text: "We're losing to Everton." Yeah, it was it was written in the stars. New manager. For some reason, we don't play well at the beginning of December. We don't play well at Goodison. It was just uh just we are Chelsea is like the slump buster. For any team in the Premier League, no matter what our form may be, I remember there was a season where Crystal Palace started this campaign like with a winless, drawless. They played us, they beat us. So it, it's one of those things where let's not refer to other teams' forms because it usually doesn't play out well for us when we go into a game thinking, oh yeah, these guys have lost six in a row, or hey, these guys had to fire a manager. So I'm gonna take that off the table. Quick, quick shout out to Stanford Chidge because he always has this, he had this saying on on the Chelsea fan cast. Remember, remember, we're shit in November, <laughs> and I think it's definitely carried over to December partly. Uh, but but it's so accurate. There's always this time of year where we just tend to slip up. And speaking of slipping up, here's another world class transition for you, Andres. <laughs> the negatives. The very first bullet point we have. Two nothing leads are our biggest nightmare. Good God, they! I do not feel comfortable with an early two nothing lead. Right now, I always I tell my kids the same thing. I always tell them the most dangerous lead in soccer is two nothing. Yeah, the saying is true, and yeah. because the moment and it happened this time around, the moment the other team gets that first goal, the whole momentum shifts, all of it. All of it. Nothing you could do unless you score a third one quickly is going to stop that like incoming burst of energy and randomly freaking Townsend level players become Ronaldinho. I, I, it just something overcomes the opponent's bodies when they're down from two nothing to two one in the remainder of the time on the pitch. They don't care if it's two minutes. They don't care if it's twenty minutes. They will play as if they just started playing a ninety minute match again. Yeah. And well, well, the pressure's off, right? I mean, exactly. if they get their goal, what do they have to lose? Nothing. At, at least we point. put up a fight, you know. Exactly, and yeah. and of course we don't have the most stable defense right now. We we can't trust in that. Kepa's still prone to a mistake. 
our center backs have been prone to their own mistakes. It's it's just we're not the most solid group. Like, like a one nil lead is even scarier almost. But it's one of those things where unless we're just pounding teams for the full 90 or even late, it's yeah, you give these guys an ounce of hope. I always say that you give a team an ounce of hope and Chelsea is not the strongest mental team to to hold off. And so yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is one of those things where it's almost um it's almost inevitable when when we can when we go up to or even three for that matter there's a th- there's always a threat of other teams scoring on us. I don't even actually think it's only when teams are up two. It's it's whenever whenever the clock is running. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. That that that's pretty much what it seems like to me. It's I don't feel comfortable um with our back line at the moment. I don't feel comfortable with the way we're defending as a team. I think we've been a bit naive um in terms of our game management, right? I mean, you touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, we, our game is the counter press, this high intensity counter press, right? Quick buildups. If we need to be patient, we can be, we have the players to mix it up and do both. But when we lose the ball, it always seems to be the counter press. I can't remember a time where we sat on a lead and sat back and played it safe and dropped our wingers into midfield positions and dropped you know, our, our, our midfield three instead of 15, 20 yards in front of our back line. Now I can't remember where we tried that. We tried that once this season and it just didn't go our way. So maybe just Frank feels the but sting we, of that. Do we even have the players to do that though? No, 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 we like, don't. No, no, no. I, I yeah, should not be doing that. Yeah. Cause, cause that's where I am at this point. And, and I know we're going to touch on it a little bit later, but Ethan Ampadu would have been perfect for this team. Imagine Frank wants to sit on a lead. You go back to a double pivot with Ampadu and Conte. Nobody's getting through there without getting the ball picked clean or without Ampadu putting studs in the back of your ankle. And, and, and we're kind of missing that, especially in our midfield. Jorginho and Kovacic are brilliant, and they are brilliant defensively too. Don't get me wrong. But they're not the players that you could sit on a lead with. And I think not having that john ob mikhail type presence on the bench someone you can bring in that'll pass the ball sideways and just see the game out is kind of affecting us at the moment <sighs> yeah it's i it's did that i or... did just shout out john, john ob mikhail by the way that did happen the nigerians are done what a man but <laughs> yeah but yeah the the it's unfortunate we don't have those players but the other part is we shouldn't need to have those players or those situations if we put away our chances. And and it's been a, a that's kind of kind of going into the negatives again. We need to learn to finish these games out. Simple yeah. as that. Those first 20 minutes should have been an output of more than two goals. And I'm sure the expected goals were a lot higher than what we had because again, we were all over the place in a, in a good way early on. And so you know, we don't have the, the power to sit back, but hell, we should be putting three goals in the back of the net. Like, we've created so many good chances. It should be at this point. Honestly, if we play a team that we think we're going to beat, I'm expecting three goals no matter what because yeah. it's Tammy, it's Pulisic, it's William. The chances are there. Hell, Conte was knocking on the door. Coach decided to put his shooting boots on. Mason Mount can score. It's just we have the people that are shooting. It's just... 
being maybe smarter and less just I don't know it something Look, needs, you it, named, we need to get you, that in. you named all those names and all of them are brilliant but which one of those players is a proven elite finisher and not naming Tammy but all those other players that have chipped in which one of those is a veteran player that is has been a proven Nobody. goal scorer in European football and that's and that's what we're missing and that's what I was talking about uh, a, a couple pods ago when we brought up the whole Olivier Giroud conversation you know he's a great striker to have in the squad but it, it, we need someone with goals because when Tammy's not in there we really don't have much to offer and and, yeah. and in a match where we're where we need goals it would be great to have Tammy out there with another proven goal right. scorer. I do want to sideline that for when we get to the cast yeah, and our yeah, potential yeah. transfer window. Okay. Um, okay. The other negative, ahead of myself. and it's not even that much of a negative, uh, it's just Hudson Adoy has not been looking like himself in recent, for, uh, you know, the recent couple of appearances. He got 30 minutes today. Obviously, Frank probably playing it smart and resting Pulisic for the weekend, but. I think that he's suffering from, you know, your typical, I just had my first injury mentality and I'm afraid of getting hurt again because I mean, it's, it's hard not to think that way. Right. I got yeah. hurt once. It can happen Pop again. Your yeah. You're 19 years old. You're thinking, well, I don't want to get hurt right now because I, I have supposed to have a long career ahead of me. It, so I think right now he's playing a little timid. And it's it's noticeable because last season and even earlier this season, we had seen Cho put his head down at 18 years old and take on 28 year olds as if it was taking candy from a baby. Yeah. We were seeing him blow, blow past people. And now I see him passing backwards more than I ever have, kind of second guessing what he wants to do. I'm telling you, the moment he gets a goal, things will change. But we need to, you know, fans need to be patient. Like, yes, the guy was a prima donna in terms of the contract, and you can think anything you want on that end, but he's still a teenager. And it's not going to make his life easier because let me tell you something, teenagers are on social media. It's not, it's no secret. And they, let me tell you, they will Google their their own name if they're famous. So I'm sure he's reading all the dumb bullshit people are writing about him. Because let me tell you, you people writing those things, you're not a 19-year-old making six figures and playing for Chelsea Football Club. There is a talent gap there. The kid just needs to get his head right, and yeah. and he'll start producing. Again, I'm not asking him to be Mbappe tonight, but yeah, yeah, he'll get there. And we know this about as long as we see a, a like a constant growth, as we've seen with someone like Tomori, Reese James, guys that have come in when they're healthy and with the right mind space, I think people just think, oh, well, he needs to do it now because Pulisic's doing real well. It's not about one player versus the other. Mm -hmm. We can be happy about all of our players because just, again, William and Pedro are on the way out. And all the rumors, and we'll get again to the transfers about who may come in, those are all speculative. The players we have right now are Pulisic and Cho, and they are our future as of right now. So, how about a little bit positive reinforcement for a kid that just not ruptured, but like tore his Achilles and, and just letting him get his mind right because he's still going to do well. And 30 minutes of football, it's different to start a game than to come off the bench. So mm-hmm. I just, 
it's like a it's a negative that he couldn't play well, but at the same time, it's like let's let's just calm down in terms of how we judge Cho on a few couple of matches after such a major injury. I said it early on this season. I always refer to the things I used to say because I love being right. <laughs> who is it? Who does it? We are not going to see the best of Cho, and I even mentioned RLC this season. It's just, it, it's not going to happen. You don't get over an injury like that right away, like you said, and I'm not going to dive into it too much because you pretty much said what I wanted to say, but I will say this. About his whole contract situation, it actually kind of like frustrates me that people get irritated at the way that thing panned out. The club was telling him he's the future, but they were also backing their manager. And the manager wasn't selecting him. So when you're put in a position like that, 18 years old, where you know you can contribute, that's not even a question. And a club like Bayern Munich comes knocking and offers you a fat-ass contract, are you really not going to fucking look at it and at least entertain it? Like, come on. It's almost it's almost uh, foolish to, to just completely disregard the notion that going to Bayern Munich as an 18-year-old up-and-coming winger in the Bundesliga, especially knowing the waves that young English town have been making in that league, it's just crazy to think that you wouldn't be even a little bit deterred. But anyways, um, I do want to talk about this last point. Um, Andres, glad yeah, we don't I'm, have Sam on the That's pod. exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, because... Because uh, this man wasn't even on the pitch. Now, let me tell you something. He wasn't in the pub either for once. Listen, Ross fucking Barkley, this guy is still in my freaking head to t- destroying me because I was supposed to be so happy that we made it to the round of 16. But if it wasn't for his moronic little event against Valencia in the first match of the Champions League where he decided that I'm an all-powerful decision maker at Chelsea and I'm taking this penalty kick we would have topped this group and not be, been in the just situation we're in right now fantastic job with the lads to make it to the round of 16 Frank well done to make it out of the group in your first manage like a stint in the Champions League as manager but god Ross Barkley you may you don't take that PK and we let Jorginho or Willian Two usual takers who would probably score at that point because, again, the experience, muscle memory, whatever you want to call it, we would not be having to face one of these potential five teams. God. Let me me just get through this. PSG, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Juventus, or RB Leipzig? Give me Leipzig. Actually, yeah, right. We're not. Give me. Give me all. Maurizio Sarri back at Stamford Bridge. That's what I want. God, what is I that want Marine. I, I want Mourinho. I do want Mourinho too. But I want <laughs> Maurizio Sarri back at Stamford Bridge. I want Jorginho to hop, skip his penalty, one nothing, grind it out. Just, I actually, I want to blow them out of the water. I want to watch them pass sideways for 90 minutes while Cristiano sits there with his hands on his hips while we just absolutely tear them apart. That would be amazing. But I will say this. If we get Barca again. We're getting Barca. We're getting – here's the thing. 
is there is no (laughs) there is no (laughs) randomness in the champions league put it put pen to paper we're getting psg or barcelona because that's who we always get it's psg or barcelona because guess what bayern always gets real madrid and they're gonna get real madrid again because they love that matchup early in the champions league i don't know why leipzig is probably gonna get a nice little easier quote-unquote easier matchup juve and, will get like atletico again like the dortmund. seventh year juve in dortmund something yeah. like that but we're getting psg or barcelona it's it's that simple those two teams we cannot get away from for some reason it's gonna happen it's one or the other That's okay it. okay who is the scariest team out of this bunch? Uh, it's, I think it's one of the three of PSG, Barca, and Bayern. Um, oh, I take it back. Uh, it sucks to say this, but Bayern you did know. lose Kingsley Komen today to yeah. a really, really awful injury. Um, and I'm not saying, like, oh, thank God someone got hurt. But them not having him available makes them slightly less of a threat. But Lewandowski is the best striker in football right now in current form. Yeah. So I don't want to face him because guess what? We don't know how to defend a cross to save our lives. Um, yeah, so that's why. And then you have Barcelona or PSG, and it's like, well, pick your poison. Do you want to get completely sprinted by uh, Mbappe, or do you want to get spun 30 times by Leo Messi? So it, <laughs> please, Juve, please. Well, I'll tell you what happens with Juve. We watch them pass sideways all game, and then the one chance they get, Cristiano scores. <laughs> It's almost uh, like okay, okay. Or, or sorry, subs him out in the 60th minute. He he makes a fit, and and we somehow make get a result. You never know. Just look at it this way: we'll either face Neymar, Mbappe, and Icardi, <laughs> Messi and company, Lewandowski and company, Cristiano Ronaldo, and a Bala. pretty good Juve side. Yeah, Andy Bala, or. Uh, team, uh, team over. I mean, RB Leipzig. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Timo Werner is literally scoring every goal and making every assist for them at the moment. But uh, we're gonna get oh, PSG or Barcelona, man. I Monday, Monday's gonna come around and I'm gonna get the notification. I'll be like, yeah, right, of course. But then again, look, I, when the ball gets kicked off, it's a ninety minute, two ninety minute matches. Yeah, we've done it with a far worse squad. You know, it's just a matter of just getting, getting your, the right mentality and not letting the fact that we might face two of the best players in world. His football in last, history. Yeah. In the last existence. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you got to come in. I think Eden Hazard said it under Conte's uh, second season. It's like, we're Chelsea. Like we're a big club. Like we will, we will step up to the challenge. Yeah. So while while we also play down to weaker opponents, we also play up to better ones. So uh, yes, I'm scared and yes, it's going to be a uphill battle, but at the same time history tends to repeat itself and and we we show up to matches like these. So All right. Oh, thanks Siri. I didn't ask you for your opinion. <laughs> so um, Andres, you really want to talk about this, so l- let's just kind of wrap, you know, the the Leo portion of the pod up and just kind of get right into it. Yeah. Four three three versus the four two three one. So, I look. I said I said I like the four two three one. 
doesn't necessarily mean I prefer it. I just think it's the safest system. And going into this season, I looked at the squad and I said, okay, maybe this is a lineup that'll probably work for us because it'll allow us to stay solid defensively, but it, it can also allow us to put four attacking players higher up the pitch. Um, so what I, I know you're a proponent of the 4-3-3, so, so talk me through the logic there. So, again, we saw what happens when a team sets up different than we expect in a pressing system. Depending on who's in the double pivot, if they don't react to it, we lose that dynamic we can get from the back to the front in two, three touches. I've also pointed it out before that when we've played with a midfield two, with a, with a 10, it sometimes looks as if without when Jorginho's not on the pitch that we don't have a sense of patience or organization moving forward. I'm not asking it to be preset patterns like sorry, but we don't have that kind of sense of, okay, we can, we've, we've got this under control. And then the last thing, in a 4-3-3, again, with Loftus-Cheek coming back eventually, you have the opportunity. We talk about how uh, kind of that unpredictable movement where if the you don't know which of your two box-to-box midfielders is the one that's going to make the run past the forward. So it's not always going to be, oh, we need to keep an eye on Mason Mount at the 10. It's a matter of, well, crap, is Kovacic the one that's going to come up and combine with these players, or is it going to be Conte? Uh, we, score, we scored some of our prettier goals in this 4-3-3 where all of those players have been involved, where Conte has made the run. The Kovacic, specifically talking about the Man City goal where Kovacic plays the ball over the top to N'Golo Conte for him to make the run. It's, it's, it's uh, connections like that that you won't have when it's a 4-2-3-1 where people are already in the position you expect them to be. So while it does allow us to have four players at the top, I think that the 4-3-3 gives you a little bit more of a surprise factor where you can't prepare to, oh, we'll just do this to cover that number 10 space because you don't know who or what player is going to move into that. Plus we have inside forwards, players that are starting in the wing but like to go central. So... Recently, we've been trying to do too much of that and too much touching the ball around the edge of the box or into the box for shooting. I think that this can be better about those spaces uh, to make sure that we're not running into each other or having a, a, the, the whole put your head down and try to dribble past three players to take a shot. So that's why I'm thinking 4-3-3. I just think it's a matter of who we're facing at this point. Um, the real debate, I think, is whether you want Jorginho at the six or Mount at the 10 right now. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, earlier this season, we were talking about like, oh, which of the three midfielders between Conte, Kovacic, and Jorginho do you bench? I think it's now Conte and Kovacic need to play. It's just who do you partner with them? So, again. It has to be Jorginho. I, I think it at, does. At this too. point, yeah. yeah. And, and again, Mount is flexible enough to, to start at the wing. Uh, he can also uh, – play at the 10 later on in the game because it's, like he's so good at high player. pressing. Yeah, He's so good at high pressing. If you catch a team that's kind of – if you need to bring energy to a side and you need to kind of catch someone sleeping, Mason Mount is the guy for that. So I think that while he started the season on fire, I think also that we've seen there is some more improvements he needs to make in his game. Plus, again, 
I just feel so much more comfortable with three in the middle because, again, that gives us an extra body also defensively. Jorginho is not a defensive stalwart, but, hey, that's a body that they have to get through. And Jorginho is the kind of player that will just trip you and do a tactical foul and not let you get past him anyway. So, yeah. Uh, And, again, we lack leaders, and Jorginho brings that, which Mount doesn't. So, that's that's kind of my argument for the 4-3-3 as of right now. Yeah, I mean, mean, I'm a proponent of the 4-3-3 as opposed to the 4-2-3-1 at this point, because I don't think we can have our midfield without Jorginho and Kovacic in it together. And if you're going to play a double pivot and you're going to play Jorginho and Kovacic, then you're losing out on (laughs) one of the greatest midfielders in world football. So the only way to shoehorn all three of those guys in a system that works and that's functional is by playing a 4-3-3. And you talked about the composure with Jorginho when he's on the pitch as opposed to when he's off the pitch. We look lost when he's not on the pitch. So that guy has to be out there just based on on on, on his leadership ability and the cohesion that he brings to the side. And Golo Conte is essentially undroppable. I don't care what anyone says. And then you got Mateo Kovacic, who's, like you said, has been our best player. It's really hard to find a spot for Mason Mount unless you're going to be playing about a position out wide, which he can do. But... You, I would still rather have Pulisic or William playing in that position, but kind of moving on. So, you know, last week, Andres, we didn't really get a chance to talk about Cass, um, but it looks like we're able to buy players in January. So a really yep. shocking surprise after 27, you know, infractions, I guess you could call them. Um, so just to kind of finish up the pod, I wanted that I wanted to throw out a, a scenario. Name your ideal, realistic January for Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> realistic is the key word here, Andres. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it one more time. Realistic. <laughs> okay. Uh, if we're smart, here's how I see January sort of playing out. We try to get the most out of players that are leaving anyway. So. Pedro's contract is running out. Giroud's contract is running out. He's off out. the Villa, isn't he? Hey, hey I will take <laughs> 11 mil from Villa for Pedro at this point. It's better than $0, and he's not playing yeah. any. So it's not bad. Yeah, I'll take 11 mil for a 32, 33-year-old. Then you mm. got Giroud also. Time's running out. The Italian clubs are sniffing around. He, you know, Conte will use him as a support striker, whatever it is. Take him. And then Alonso, too. I, I think Frank has officially made it clear that it's either Emerson or Aspie on the left until further notice. Yeah. And so, hey, Atletico Madrid, Inter Milan, whoever it is that was out there kind of poking around for Marcos Alonso, be my guest, uh, because the manager has made his decision. In terms yeah. of who comes in, well, this is where I honestly have no idea because I feel like every target we have right now, while it's realistic that we can afford them, I think it's unrealistic that the teams they play for will be willing to let them go based on their current form. So here are the three names that I would love for us to at least do business. Uh, maybe the minimum I would like is a, like pre-deals would be nice, like uh, a la Pulisic last January. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, then you got Jaden Sancho, obviously. William and Pedro are leaving. Pe- William has not been given the extension he wants. I can totally see him start to knock on doors in January to, to get a Bosman deal in the summer. Uh, ben Chilwell, left back, Leicester, Premier League proven. He's 
what, 22, 23? Definitely won me over. Yeah, he's a great player. Also playing for a team that's competing for a title. The, there's no way they let him go right now. So maybe yeah. we can get a pre-deal there because maybe he'll want a bigger contract and maybe Lester at that point says, I, we probably can't afford that. And then the final one that I have is, you know, we talked about, you mentioned, you know, we need to have somebody alongside Tammy or a second option. And listen, if Tammy's name is not on the team sheet, I'm scared we won't score. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. And the chances come, but nobody seems to be around the ball when Tammy's not on the pitch. So I think going for Timo Werner would be fantastic because – that's the one. Look at this. this That's guy, the name on that list that 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 gives me a boner. I can't think of another way to say and, it. But. And let me be just completely frank about it. Leipzig's not going to let him go either because the Bundesliga is as tight as ever right now. Between yeah. first and fifth place, I think there's three points. And I'm thinking, and I might be speaking out of term here, that Leipzig is tied for first place with Motion Gladbach. Most exciting league in Europe. Let me quickly double check that. And yes, they are one point behind Motion Gladbach in second place. And Nagelsmann is great with the with younger players, so I think that he will probably stick around till the end of the season. But also, German teams have been known to do these pre deals a lot. So yeah, those are the three that I think are both realistic in terms of the price tag, but are unrealistic based on their situation. Now, book their ticket to London now. Get them later in the summer. That would be great. No, you don't get them right away, but that's kind of like a you know thinking long term instead of uh, reacting to the short term per se. In my, oh my god, if we could, pull, I know you're saying to keep it realistic. We <laughs> talked about the need for a complete like leader, strengthened center back, short of player. Oh, I mean, I have to say it, Zach. Listen, the idea is fantastic, but Look, it's not going to happen. <laughs> two days ago, Kaladu Koulibaly told De Laurentiis that go. he's unhappy. <laughs> All I'm saying is that if we get Kaladu Koulibaly, we are set. We are set. We are so, immediately a title-challenging oh, side. This is like Virgil van Dijk to Liverpool. I'm yep. telling you, this guy would give absolutely – Zero, and I'm going to drop the F-bomb, zero fucks about who you are, what academy you came from, what language you primarily speak. He will have you in line. No crap is getting through. No dumb mistakes. No bullshit passes out of the back. This guy will have us lined up to perfection in that back four. He will score headers for us because he is a machine. He has already familiarity with Jorginho's movement in midfield, so... Passing out of the back should be a piece of cake. Oh, my God, if we could get this guy. The the hunt for a JT slash Carvalho successor would be over. Like, oh, my goodness. If we could just convince this guy. And listen, you racist Chelsea fans out there, take a hike because we need this guy. This guy's gotten enough abuse over the years. I know it sucks to be, like, joking about it. But, like, really, he's been, like, the main target. And let me be also very clear. Chelsea's current racist situation is bad, but it's not as bad as Italy as a country. So please, Kalajukulabai, consider it. I know Naples has beaches and whatnot, but you can be there three months of the year. It's okay. We'll we'll pay for your flight back. I'll start a GoFundMe right now. But if Naples. we can get this guy in, man, Naples I don't care who partners him. Tamori, <laughs> Zuma, Rudiger, 
We are good to go. Give them the captain's band immediately because no BS is going to be on the pitch with this guy in there. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I <laughs> that know. seems a little far-fetched for me. Oh, my God. So did Virgil van Dyke for 75 mil. So we no, but van Dyke was not Koulibaly when he went to Liverpool, and that's the difference. Okay, okay. I so don't know. Let, I don't if know. that's the case, if that's the case, what are your thoughts before I pass you to the real estate? What are your thoughts on the Ake rumors? Meh. Yeah, I'm a little biased. Yeah. I'm a little yeah. biased because I liked Ake at, coming out of the academy and, you know, the whole rude gullet 2.0 thing. And I, he I, I, I liked him. I liked him when he played when he played the six for us in the Champions League years ago. Yeah, and I saw him and I was like, wow, he actually looks pretty damn good. No, here, I mean, w- where I am with the whole Ake thing is, is he going to be an upgrade on our current situation? Yes. No questions asked. Will he be that transcendent player to take us to the next level? I'm not so sure. And I think if you're going to go out and if you identified – a few weaknesses in the squad. I think left back, I think center back, and I'm thinking somewhere along our front three, we need three players, one in each of those positions. If you're going to look to upgrade the center back, it has to be a proven world-class player, not named Kaladu Koulibaly, because he's not <laughs> leaving. It's just not going to happen. Look, if we get Kaladu Koulibaly... I will I will get arrested for indecent exposure. You could mark my words. This okay? is on record. It has been recorded. <laughs> I am taking this sound bite. This is coming back. But but, but look, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the, the Nathan Ake thing. Yes, it would be nice to see him back. I don't think he's going to be the type of player to take us to a whole new level or, or or a championship caliber team. I saw that City was getting linked with him, and it kind of validated my feeling on the whole Ake rumors in general you know City's being linked with this guy and I just think to myself okay he's not really gonna fix their problems he'll make it a little bit better they just they just are so injured I mean (laughs) they need him more than us garbage oh for sure realistically there's no way Laporte is out for the season like that's a totally different situation we have healthy players we're trying to improve our situation like yeah. you said Ake just becomes a fourth guy that's in that same batch of players I mentioned earlier which are Zuma, yeah. Tamori and uh, Rudiger so yeah, yeah. but I'll, I'll pass it on to you oh by the way the I, I already mentioned my outs yeah I'll pass it on to you what is your realistic January look I had something very similar Ross the boss get your ass out of here Pedro let's just take what we could get Marcus Alonso, it looks like it's already done. <laughs> Every day it's getting closer. It's just a matter of time. Um, so realistically, I think the first and foremost, we got to get Ethan Ampadu back. I mean, he kind of seems to be that forgotten name out of all the youth products that we have. But if we're looking at just raw potential, this guy's right up there with everyone else in terms of what he can be. And that's a world-class footballer. Got to bring him back. Frank has to find a way to somehow incorporate him into the squad. What I'm thinking if it's, is if Alonzo departs, maybe Ampadu shares the right-hand side with Reese James. Maybe he could come in late in games and be that John Obi Mikel type player I was talking about. It would be perfect. So that's first and foremost for me. Got to get him back. 
realistically speaking, I don't think we're bringing any sort of world-class player into the club in January. It's very, very hard to do that unless you, like, pull off some sort of Americ-Laporte deal where, you know, you shell out upwards of $50 million and take a punt on someone and it turns out so it, it turns out working out perfectly. So I'm going to go Jaden Sancho. Um, I don't think it's realistic he comes in January, Andres. But like you said, that pre-contract situation, it's almost too good to be true. He's he's friends with Tammy. He's very close with Cho and Reese James as well. He's right at that age where you, know, you, you want to make that move to the Premier League at that age. But he has also proved himself. He's a hell of a player. And uh, and anybody that denies that hasn't – just do me a favor. Go on to YouTube and watch his highlights or, or, or just pick a random game this season and watch his touches. The kid has it, and, and I think that's the type of player we need to be targeting. Now, is Jaden Sancho my first choice? Hell no. Andres, Timo Werner. I'm all in on this guy <laughs> because he could play out. I wasn't, you didn't even have that written down. He could. I didn't even have it written down. I threw a fucking curveball at you. But look, he could play on the wing and he could play up top. So it fills our need yeah. for a backup striker because we could always just rotate between him and Werner. And also, Tammy's hold-up play is really, really good. And having a guy like Timo Werner who's a willing runner in behind, Bullet. which is something we don't uh, have Bullet. at the wing position. What, what were you saying? He is a bullet. He is so fast. He is so – like, like it's not even quickness. He is straight up fast. It's almost like you're playing it, – it, it's almost like you're playing FIFA in a way. Like, you know, you got that fresh legs on in the 70th minute. He has, like, plus 90 sprint speed. And you play him a through ball down the flank, and he just torches everybody without even breaking a sweat. That's exactly what Timo Werner is like on the football pitch. But he's so versatile. He could play the false nine. He could play a natural nine. He could play out wide. He could dribble people. He creates goals as well as scores goals. He has a full package. You want your ready-made world-class attacking footballer to come into the club and hit the ground running? I don't think that's the type of player that we're going to see in Jaden Sancho. I think that because of his young age, he's going to have jitters. It's going to be two or three seasons before we see the best of him. You bring a guy in like Timo Werner, he's at the age where he is ready to break out now. He's already done it in Germany. He's he, – what, what does he have? Like 15 goals and four assists in what? 16 games or 13 games? Something like that, right? He has He's had more direct goal contributions than matches played this season. Tells you everything you need to know about the guy. That's the type of player the club needs to aim at. That quality of player. Now, going back to the whole Koulibaly thing, Andres, I'm not shitting on you for <laughs> for just being like for, – for being a, a, a hopeful Chelsea fan. I'm actually applauding you on that because that's the type of player Chelsea needs to look at and identify. Ready-made, world-class talent that will automatically propel you, propel you into the conversation with the rest of Europe's elite. Koulibaly, Timo Werner, those, those are those – are perfect players like perfect perfect players yeah. a perfect summer Koulibaly and Timo Werner okay you'd mentioned something that you mentioned about Werner that has been mentioned about a different player that he can play out wide and he can also do a job at striker thoughts on Wilfried Zaha <laughs> 
Well, in it ain't January, gonna come cheap, Chelsea. is it? <laughs> that's that's the thing uh. with Zaha. Look, I, I I like him. Proven in the Premier League, so you know you know in the league he's gonna be there to produce. We haven't seen him in Champions League football. We know he he is a big personality as well, but he's also at the age where he's not necessarily gonna accept being second fiddle. He has to be that he's twenty seven. He's not gonna come into a Chelsea side next year and look at Tammy Abraham and Pulisic and Mason Mount and be like, you know what? I'll just be your supporting guy. Like, l- let me just hang out on the right or the left and do my thing. He he he's not that kind of player for me, and. I saw a number today, 105 million. Whoa, that is way too much money to be shelling out on a 27 year old at this point. When you could go spend that 105 million on Timo Werner, get an extra five years out of him, and you probably double the production. It's, I mean, Crystal Palace. That's the only way they stay up from relegation because this guy does so much for them. Whether it's directly scoring or his dribbling gets him tripped in the box, right? So, and then the guy whose last name I cannot say, Milievovic in center mid, who's fantastic Milievovic, at penalties. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, fantastic at penalties, just finishes them off. So, you're taking their one livelihood. It, it's like taking Lukaku out of Everton, which in the market at the moment was ridiculous to, to ridiculous fee at 90 million now. A little inflation. We're talking a hundred million for Zaha, who, by the way, is a homegrown player. Let's not forget that he's got an Ivory Coast nationality, but he's homegrown because he played. He's played in the Premier League forever. I think he's a fifty million player tops. Max. Max. And even then, I don't know if he's a fit because, you know, the way we've been playing, we we don't do this. 10 seconds of dribbling. Nobody does that. None of our players do. Even William has taken down the dribbling. And something like that, where a player naturally goes to that as his first step is, or his first thought is only going to slow down what's happening around him. There's not much going on at crystal palace, but at Chelsea, there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of players Mm -hmm. that are making runs. So I just don't know if stylistically it's a fit. If we get him and he proves me wrong. Great. But yeah. it's just we're not that type of team anymore. We're not overly He's, dependent on the Eden hazards of the world to dribble us into a easy assist or into a penalty or into a uh, goal. Like that's he is not one of the most fouled players in the league, though. So like he does, but 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 again, that's because he dribbles for ten second periods. But yeah, he he's another one of those players that's an inside forward slash winger, right? Where he plays very very narrow. And I think things could get very congested in there, especially if Pulisic is playing on the left, because that seems to be his bread and butter on the left-hand side now, right? Yeah, they, people are arguing that he can play on the right. But yeah, most of the time with, with Palace, it was uh, on the left side. He, he's on the left side. so Or at know. the front, too. Yeah. But I mean, anyways, Andres, I know we're way over time, and I do want to save some content for next week's pod because when Sam's not here, there's no one to shut us up. <laughs> um, but anyways, guys. We um, have one more thing, right? We do have one more thing. So really quick shout-out to the CFC Blues app. Um, if you guys want to listen to our podcast, they're actually hosting our podcast on the application. So make sure you guys go download it. Uh, you could go on to Google Marketplace or, or – 
or um, where App do people Store. go? Yeah, the, the you know, Apple's App Store. I, I, I'm an Android guy. You know, I'm one of the smart ones. But uh, yeah, just go to your App Store, type in CFC Blues app. It should be the, one of the first apps that pop up. Um, we're starting to work very closely with those guys. They've actually reached out to us. Um, One-stop and... shop for all your Chelsea news, rumors. I mean, you, everything. you have your, gene- you have your generic you soccer app. This yep. this pulls from all of those sources. So it's very, very good job on those guys for making that. Um, and it's only going to get better. So give, yeah. give the app download. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you guys download it. I'm, uh, I mean, me and Andres were just taking a look at it before, and we were actually really impressed with the layout and the way the app is set up. So um, make sure you guys go download that. Um also, make sure you're following us on Twitter. If you're not, you're fucking up at RomansEmpirePod.com or, or at RomansEmpirePod, excuse me. If you want to email us, RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. And until next week, guys, keep the blue flag flying high.